What's up? ¿Qué onda? You are listening to Brown Raíces, a space where I talk about the rich Chicanx history and cultura, discuss the issues affecting brown communities, and where we explore badass, groundbreaking Chicanx and Latinx literature. First of all, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I'm so happy you're here. And whether you're walking, driving, at the bus stop, on the bus, en el gym, haciendo quehaceres, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I am your host, Jesse Rubio, and today I am talking about the Brown Berets National Party. Sin más rodeos, let's get into it. Yesterday was Independence Day, guys, and honestly, I didn't really do much. I just ran some errands with my little familia, and we ran back inside because the heat is just not cute right now. I didn't realize how spoiled I was in California with the weather until I moved to Arizona. Like, damn, 115 degrees? That's no joke. I don't even want to imagine what it's like for homeless people here. On a different note, a lot has been going on lately in the news, and it's just getting so hard to ignore, and it's hard not to have a comment, so bear with me for a little bit while I try to process all that has been happening. So, first of all, what the F with the Supreme Court? Affirmative action was overturned by the Supreme Court after 40, 45 years of being in place? If you are unfamiliar with affirmative action and what it means in relation to higher education, in a nutshell, it allows colleges to make admission decisions with race as one of the determinant factors, not the only one. So colleges can decide from a pool of already qualified students and take race into consideration after applicants have met certain requirements for admissions, such as the GPA minimums, test scores, essays whether or not they're athletes and they have some type of sport talent, etc. So once a student meets the basic requirements of admission, then the admission office can take into consideration the race, socioeconomic background, extracurricular activities, volunteer work, etc. A lot of people think that affirmative action is like a golden ticket where a person of color applies and because they are not white, they automatically get in. And that's not true at all. So there has been a lot of misconceptions, misinformation around what affirmative action is and what it is not. So the Supreme Court's decision to ban affirmative action from college admissions has created a big whirlwind. And therefore, I'm speaking about it right now, right? Because it's hard to not have any say in it or any comment. But a big percentage of Americans agree with the court's decision, including people of color, and almost equal number of people disagree with it because of all the implications and negative ripple effects it will have on the advancement of colored people. So it's hard not to reflect as a person of color that had the privilege of attending two top universities. And After graduating from UCLA, I have had at least two people make comments about my experience in a top university, and they used affirmative action as the reason why I had attended UCLA, not as a compliment. Let me make it clear. So honestly, I was caught off guard. And my response to a person that told me that I was just in UCLA because of affirmative action 
went along the lines of, actually, I worked really hard to get into UCLA. But in retrospect, I would have had a totally different answer. And the truth is that the person and myself were not educated enough to know that affirmative action had already been banned for over two decades in the state of California for public universities and that my admission to UCLA was not based on affirmative action because it had been banned already. So in 1996, which was the year I was born in, Proposition 209 passed in California and it banned public universities from using race as a determining factor in their admissions decision. And since then, other states followed their footsteps and they have imposed similar restrictions, including states like Michigan, Florida, Idaho, Nebraska, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, and Washington. What the Supreme Court fails to see or chooses to oversee is how these states did on BIPOC enrollment after banning affirmative action. So just to give you a little bit of context, um, Black enrollment decreased almost immediately after the banning in California. So at top schools in the UC system, before the ban, Black students comprised 7% of the student body at UCLA. And two years later, in 1998, it was only 4%. By 2006, the freshman class included 96 Black students out of nearly five thousand students. Since then, California has spent millions of dollars in outreach to underserved students, but it's not nearly as high as it should be compared to the growing numbers of black and brown students. The Supreme Court's decision is just bullshit, and I'm sorry I have to use that language, but without race, a student can't paint a full picture of what it means to not be white and live in the United States. Without putting race on the table, we turn a blind eye to the fact that underrepresented groups continue to work twice as hard as their counterparts do because of systemic oppression and because of lack of resources. We cannot leave race off the table when it comes to college admissions. The court's decision dismisses the systemic barriers that Black, Brown, and poor Asians have to overcome. On top of it, all those young Latinx and Black students that do end up in higher education, they will have to continue facing adversities. Their struggle does not end just because they are admitted into college. Food insecurity exists at a higher rate for BIPOC college students. A lot of them have to work while taking classes in between. They need to provide for their families. And as a student, Myself, I had to commute two hours every day to get to UCLA and had three jobs for two years. I worked at a dining hall in North Campus, and I also had a job as a tutor, and I was a waitress on the weekends. I had to figure out when I will do homework, and most of the time I couldn't even make it to office hours to get the extra support. Overturning affirmative action will disproportionately affect BIPOC students, and we must do all we can as adults to better equip and better prepare our youth for a battle against this education system that has always worked against them. You know what's happening, though? I think that the people in seats of power, I should say white supremacists, are afraid of the growing demographic power we can have. Soon the minority will be the majority, and that's what this country is avoiding at all costs, our advancement. 
The only way to strategically push back this decision is through coalition and quality K-12 through education. We need an education reform that will give students equal opportunities and in the meantime become informed of organizations that help Latinx and Black students on the path to higher education and their achievement. So there are a few you can check out that are national, such as LULAC, Hispanic Scholarship Fund, Unidos US, but I'll leave that up, up to you guys. There's also um, organizations in different states that help Latinos and, and Black students as well. Okay, now that I got that off my chest, let's get into today's topic, the Brown Berets. The first time I heard about the Brown Berets was in college when I was taking a Chicano Studies course at UCLA, and I was struck by the idea of such an organization existing, and I thought it was so cool, but something of the past, something in history. So I left it untouched and didn't explore deeper. It wasn't until recently that I wanted to dig further and know more about this organization. Like I have mentioned in a previous episode, I did not learn or know much about my roots and Mesoamerican history until I entered college, which is when I started developing my own identity awareness. I grew up in South Central my entire life, so I was sort of in a bubble surrounded by black and brown people. And as soon as I entered UCLA, it was a cultural shock because it was the first time I saw so many ethnic groups in one place. It was honestly such a beautiful experience to see such diversity and sit among super smart people. Since Chicano Studies is an interdisciplinary major, I was able to tap into courses in history, um, sociology, anthropology, education, and I had various fieldwork opportunities. But once I graduated from UCLA, I had been offered a teaching position in Morgan Hill, California through Teach for America. And it was my first time living away from home and what I was comfortable with and what I had known my entire life. But I was ready to spread my little wings and see what life had for me. So I worked at a dual immersion school for three years. And one of the values of that elementary school I worked for was activism, activismo. And it's important to say that this school was almost 100% Latinx and most students were part of reduced or free lunch. So asserting my identity in this space was never in question. Teaching young students of color, it actually fueled me, and it allowed me and it inspired me to learn more and pass on the cultural awareness and pride. Much like the Young Chicanos for Community Action of the 60s and 70s, I have been inclined to assert my identity as a Chicana And I believe once an individual knows their roots, history, and has an established cultural awareness, that person is unstoppable. Now, who the heck are the Brown Berets? The Brown Berets National Party is an organization that was founded by David Sanchez in 1967, and it was in response to the mistreatment and discrimination faced by Mexican Americans in the United States. Their name was derived from the brown berets or boinas cafés that they wore as part of their uniform. Though they were not always called brown berets, at first they were young citizens for community action and they would gather to talk about social issues that, that was affecting them and the community. Then the name changed to Young Chicanos for Community Action. 
then it changed for a last time to brown berets after their uniform, which was a statement of itself. So since they were known for wearing the brown boinas, they changed their name for the last time as brown berets. So they were inspired by the Black Panther Party's activism and their philosophy. So they adopted similar tactics to address the issues faced by the community, the Mexican-American community. David Sanchez himself was a second-generation Chicano born and raised in South Central L.A. And it's crazy, guys, because as I was doing some research and I listened to some interviews, I learned that he grew up in the same neighborhood as me. In one of the interviews, he tells a story of him getting beat up by a group of black guys on 32nd and Trinity. And I was like, wait a second, where? I attended Trinity Street Elementary School on 36th Street, which was insane to hear. And he also attended John Adams Middle School, which was the school my older sister attended and that my other sister and myself was supposed to attend. But because a middle school opened up closer to our house, um, we ended up going to a different school. But I just thought that was crazy. So the Brown Berets were high school students and recent high school students. David was only 19 when he started this organization. And since he had a lot of members from different parts of the city in L.A., including gang members, they were able to have a big impact on the student walkouts of 1968, which was Um, the topic of the previous episode. So if you haven't checked out the previous episode on the Chicano blowouts of 1968, go check it out. That is a really good episode, in my opinion, if I do say so myself. <laughs> But so what the Brown Berets did is that they were able to be in contact with different high schools and different parts of the community in L.A. and East L.A. and South Central. And so they were able to make this this uh, the student walkouts become a little bit more successful and also become as big as it as it was. So the Brown Berets fought against inequalities in schools and mainstream white society. They also created a newspaper called La Causa, the cause, which is a slogan stamped on the berets that they wear. And they helped spread awareness of the issues that were relevant to Chicanos related to politics, activism, racism, and police brutality. They also advocated for educational reforms, and they pushed for bilingual education and ethnic studies programs in schools. In 1969, the Brown Berets formed the Chicano Moratorium Committee, which organized annual marches to protest against the Vietnam War. You see, Chicano soldiers were disproportionately dying and wounded in the Vietnam War. 22% of all Chicanos fighting in Vietnam were dying, and they only made up about 8% of the total population in the U.S. I will talk a little bit more about the Chicano moratorium in a different episode so that I can really go into de detail about this huge protest that took place. But basically, there was a massive anti-war demonstration that took place in L.A. in 1970, and the Brown Berets played a crucial role in this massive demonstration. The Brown Berets always worked alongside and supported the farm worker movement as well. Um, David Sanchez himself would talk to Cesar Chavez and they were getting very involved into what the farm worker struggled was as well. 
But Chicanismo was the primary ideology of the Brown Berets, and their motto was to serve, observe, and protect, which sounds very similar to um, the police department in L.A., which is to serve and protect or something like that. But LAPD was not doing their job. In 1969, the Brown Berets were a national organization, and they had chapters in California, Colorado, Minnesota, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Texas, and Washington. But unfortunately, some internal conflicts and other issues led to the disbandment of the Brown Berets in 1972. But in response to escalating homicide, David Sanchez and Jeronimo Blanco reactivated the California Brown Berets in 1992. And it was with a focus on Barrio Peace. And in 2016, Sanchez started the Brown Berets National Party. And today they are still the Brown Berets and they are in different cities. And the mission has remained the same to help educate and to serve and protect the raza of issues that affect them which sadly are the same issues of over 40 years ago. Police brutality, educational equity, discrimination, and political campaigns that target people of color. Los Brown Berets held the first People's Coalition rally in Chicago on September of last year, and it included revolutionary organizations such as Black Panthers, the Young Lords, American Indian Movement, and the Poor People's Army, among other organizations. There was more than 100 attendees that participated to show unity from all races and solidarity about issues such as caged children. Another note on David Sanchez, he actually taught Chicano studies for 13 years. He's also got his PhD, and his story inspires me, and it just motivates me to continue to strive for excellence, for academic excellence, because once we are knowledgeable, once we have the information, once we are culturally aware, we are able to make decisions in our everyday lives that asserts our identity. And we don't have to cave in to this melting pot in the United States. A lot of the time, because we're not culturally aware or because we are second generation or third generation, we tend to forget the struggle of our people. We tend to forget our language, our culture, our customs, our traditions, everything that makes us so unique and so powerful. I'm a first generation, but I think that David Sanchez being a second generation, he's an excellent example of not giving up your identity because uh, a lot of Mexican-Americans here in the United States, sadly, reject their Mexican side, but that's because they want to blend into this society that for a long time has rejected them. Y con eso, we come to an end of this Brown Raices episode. I hope you enjoyed learning about the Brown Berets. Don't forget to follow on Instagram at Brown Raices for quotidian things. And if you like this episode, make sure you share it with your familia and friends. Remember, I am uploading every other martes, so I'll catch you next time. Hasta la próxima.